Welcome fans of the Justice League universe, and welcome also to those who are just looking for a 25-minute break from all the drama and negativity that can tend to swirl around superhero fandom. My name is Sam. This podcast focuses on analyzing the DC films that are part of the Justice League universe. Our analysis is written by a team of contributors, Alessandro Maniscalco, who is Raverin on Twitter, Rebecca Johnson, who is Derby Kid, Sydney, who is Wonder Sid, and Nick Begovich, who is N. Bego. You can also follow the show on Twitter at JLU Podcast. In our last episode, we gave some overall thoughts about the themes and character arcs in Justice League. And now in this episode, we are going to start our scene-by-scene analysis covering the opening company logos and then the first scene, which is the kids' cell phone footage of Superman. Then at the end of the episode, we will give an update on where we stand with regard to naming the trilogy that includes Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League. Alright, so the movie opens with the studio logos and Danny Elfman's music. We're going to have a lot more to say about the music later, but for now we'll just point out that this first cue is a new musical piece that does not seem to incorporate any elements of the prior Hans Zimmer or Junkie XL score. To us, the first part of the music over the WB logo is actually kind of reminiscent of a Star Wars theme, and then the latter part that's over the DC logo reminds us of Batman 89 mixed with the sort of animated television series kind of feel. But the main thing to note is that the music here does deviate from the music of the first two films in the trilogy, and even the instrumentation and tone of the orchestra does sound different. Now speaking of logos, as we mentioned at the beginning of our Wonder Woman analysis, we tend to like it when the WB logo is stylized or incorporated into the movie itself, rather than just the standard logo. But here in Justice League, like Wonder Woman, it is just the standard WB logo. So just a few seconds into the movie, we already have two indications that this isn't going to be the perfect conclusion to the trilogy, um, because the music has changed, and because Man of Steel and Batman v Superman both had unique ways of incorporating the logo into the visual style of their opening scenes. Next comes the Rat Pack logo, about which we don't have much to say, other than we hope that we don't have to see this one for very much longer. And then after that is the DC comic book sequence, which was introduced with Wonder Woman, and it still looks really good. And this acknowledgement of the long history of the characters in comic books, together with the Elfman music, actually gives us a hint right away that the music is going to have a bit of a throwback style. And if we put aside our Hans Zimmer expectations and our love of those previous scores, and we just listen to this music for what it's doing right now, it does sound good here, and it is pretty effective with the comic book uh, visualization. And one thing about this DC sequence here is that it is even more special for a Justice League movie than it was for the Wonder Woman movie, because here it reminds us of the Justice League animated series opening sequence, and we are in seats about to see several of these characters together on the big screen for the first time. So when you see this big pantheon of heroes, it's great to know, hey, we're actually going to see a team of them in this movie, and it's a nice lead-in to the movie. All right, let's get into scene one. This is a short scene, but one that has stirred up quite a bit of fuss. Yes, many people can tell that Henry Cavill's mustache was removed digitally. And in our opinion, that is unfortunate, and it is a distraction from the content of the scene. But there's not much more to say about that, and we don't see the point of fixating on the lip or the mustache. There is still the actual dialogue and meaning that we can try to focus on from the scene. And in fact, I know of several people personally who didn't even notice the lip issue on Superman for the movie overall. It might seem surprising, but I know multiple people who said, oh, I never noticed anything about his lip, including this scene, they didn't notice it. So perhaps it's only bad if you're really looking for it, or once you've seen it, you can't not see it. But for some people, it just goes unnoticed. And as for me, when I went back to see the movie again, I just chose to focus on his eyes rather than his mouth. And that actually helped a lot for all the Superman scenes throughout the movie. Now, we don't want to talk about the lip anymore, but even putting that aside... 
Our team of contributors do have to admit that we were initially disappointed in the scene. Since then, we've come to see some redeeming features, and we'll describe those in a moment, but it just really hit all of us that this opening scene did not carry the emotional weight or the visual craft and beauty of the prior films in the series. It's not so much that the cell phone Superman scene here in Justice League is bad, so much as it's kind of a letdown when contrasted with the amazing openings of both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. In the former, you have the pain and beauty of childbirth, and you get this rich, otherworldly setting where the birth ends up having profound meaning because it's the first natural birth in Krypton for centuries. And as Man of Steel Answers and the Man of Steel Thesis on YouTube showed, the theme of birth is connected all the way through the movie. And then with Batman v Superman, the opening sequence is visual poetry, with the portrayal of the formative moment in Bruce Wayne's life, with his world getting turned upside down, and that opening scene beautifully establishes the theme of falling, which connects with Bruce's character arc throughout the whole movie. Those two opening scenes are aesthetically rich and lay a foundation of meaning that the remainder of the films build upon. And people might also think of other Zack Snyder films like Sucker Punch and Watchmen that have visually rich, stylized sequences right from the start. But Justice League's opening scene is a poor quality cell phone image, and it's shot in portrait mode of all things. Yes, we obviously know this is because of the idea that it's true footage from someone actually talking to Superman, and people with their phones do use portrait mode sometimes, but the fact remains, it's a poor quality image in a terrible aspect ratio, and that's the first thing we see in the movie. And I admit the issue of a portrait orientation rather than landscape may just be a pet peeve in my case, but it just doesn't make sense to me how often people record with their phone in profile or portrait orientation. I just think landscape makes so much more sense almost all of the time, because not only are all computer screens and all TVs laid out in landscape orientation, but most importantly, our own human eyeballs are laid out landscape. So that should definitely be the default way for all of us to record video. Even kids should know that. Uh, that's kind of a personal mini rant, but the point is that in comparison to Man of Steel and BVS, it's kind of an underwhelming opening scene here in Justice League. And furthermore, with respect to the context of the audience coming to see the movie, it's arguably a misstep in that regard too. For over a year, the audience has been anticipating the return of Superman, and Warner Brothers carefully excluded him from the marketing materials. So the whole point leading up to the film was to not show Superman. But then they just go ahead and show him right away in the first scene. Now we know it's a flashback to when he was still alive, so it's not the reveal of his return. But a critique would be that they should have emphasized his absence and talked about him, but not shown him until later in the film when he's actually back. In defense of showing him right away, maybe they were thinking that this is like what real people do when they are mourning a lost loved one. It's common for people to go back and watch home videos as a way to bring out those memories and let the emotional grief flow out and reconnect with your lost one. So that sort of makes sense here as a motivation for the filmmakers. But that purpose wasn't totally achieved for a couple reasons. First, his face is in the uncanny valley. When a real person watches old footage of their dearly departed, you want it to actually look like them, not a slightly creepy version of them. And it also might have been more effective if we knew who in the film this footage was meant for, like if Martha or Lois were watching it and we saw them reacting to it, sorrowfully remembering and missing him. Then we, the audience, would better know what to make of the clip and how it fits in with later parts of the characters in the movie. Or another idea that we think might have made it more effective and more connected would be if this scene with civilians admiring a still-active Superman 
immediately cut to the montage of the world without Superman, then that would be an, a nice emotional punch, like here he was, and now he's not there anymore. But instead, we have a Batman scene that interrupts the emotional flow there. And I know they mentioned Superman being gone in the Batman scene, but that scene is really doing something else emotional. It's not a direct emotional punch. So all of this is just to say that we initially had some criticisms of this opening scene. But we do want to acknowledge that it has plenty of advocates. Tim and Scott on the Suicide Squad cast really liked this scene as a way to remind the audience that Superman was a positive hero for quite a while on Earth, before Lex ruined things in BVS. And here we want to point out that the date is visible at the start of this scene. The footage was shot by the kids on February 12, 2015, which means it was well after the events of Man of Steel, but before the events of BVS. So this footage shows Superman right in the midst of humanity's love affair with him. There are other fans of the scene too, like at Stargazer0118 on Twitter, uh, liked it because it was a touching personal moment and set a tone of optimism that would pay off by the end of the movie. And Nathan and Mark on DC Cinematic Minute also thought it was a pretty great way to give the audience a taste of Superman right away, since we wouldn't actually be seeing him until much later. We acknowledge those opinions, but we just reiterate that the early appearance of Superman is somewhat counter to the feeling of absence that should maybe be consistent throughout, we think maybe the whole first act should sort of be the absence of Superman. Moving into the content of the scene, we actually do find some redeeming qualities about this scene. We do like some things about it. Superman has helped out with what seems like a fire of some kind, and he's still around talking to the firemen, which connects with the long-standing notion that Superman is like a fireman, while Batman is more like a policeman. And it's showing that Superman was down with the people before the controversies of BVS. It's also a clear response to the critics of Man of Steel and BVS, who said that they wanted to see more of the positive Superman that existed in the universe between those two movies. So here we get to see him, being a hero, interacting with the people between the movies of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And moving into the scene, it becomes clear right away that these kids are shooting the video for what they call a podcast, or maybe it's a video podcast or blog or something like that. And they're eager to get some footage of the famous Superman that they can post online. Superman comes over to the kids and is willing to talk with them for a while. This is a small gesture for Superman, it'll just take a few moments, but it might be a hugely impactful and memorable moment for these kids for the rest of their lives. And it might be inspirational for all the people who eventually watch the footage. So Superman being inspirational and in direct contact with the public connects to a theme that we identified for Justice League in our last episode, which is that inspiration is a better way to lead than through fear. Seeing Superman be an inspiration and a down-to-earth leader like this with the firemen and then the kids is a setup for a great payoff later in the movie. Later, Bruce accuses Diana of being withdrawn, of not being the public figure that Superman was. And then at the very end of the movie, we see that Wonder Woman has taken that message to heart and is trying to do better. Just like Superman here at the beginning of the movie, we see Wonder Woman at the end of the movie stepping forward with the children and working with the police, even letting them use her lasso. So that means she was listening to Bruce, just like Bruce was listening to her about the importance of heart. And that Wonder Woman moment in the final montage at the end of the movie is a great echo to this opening scene. Making that connection is one of the things that improved this scene in our view. After Superman comes over to the kids, their first question is, how many people have you saved? Superman starts to say, I, and he seems to be searching for an answer, but then the kid cuts him off and says, never mind, does your thing really stand for hope? Before we get into that hope question, I just have to personally share a nitpick here. The way this bit of dialogue was written really struck me as unrealistic, like it was a script rather than natural language. 
I have kids and I work in education, so I'm in schools all the time. So I know that kids can be excited and can sometimes dart around to different topics. But to literally cut Superman off in the middle of him answering your question and to cut him off by saying, never mind, as if you lost interest in your own question within two seconds, that doesn't make sense to me. Having the kids be young and really excited is totally fine. But realistically then, the kid should have just moved right into another question. He wouldn't say, never mind, and then ask the follow-up question. But anyway, that's a minor personal quibble. The more important thing is the actual question about the symbol standing for hope. Superman responds, yes it does. And one of the kids says, but it looks like an S. This is a nice connection back to Man of Steel and the interview between Superman and Lois Lane, where she said that it looks like an S too, and he said that it was a symbol for hope on his home world. Superman is not at all bothered by the kid saying that it looks like an S. Superman says, it's meant to. It's meant to wind, like a river. It comes and goes. He runs his finger across the emblem. Then Superman continues, my, a man I knew, used to say that hope is like your car keys. Easy to lose, but if you dig around, usually close by. He was probably going to say my dad, but he caught himself and rephrased it. But we know it was his dad, and that lets us know that he has made an important connection between both of his fathers. Jor-El told him that the emblem was the symbol for hope. And from Krypton, Superman took the idea of hope winding like a river, ebbing and flowing. And then Jonathan Kent made a similar point using an earthly metaphor. Hope can be lost for a while, but you can find it again if you look for it. In this way, Superman is showing that he's found a way to bridge the lessons that he's learned from both fathers, which is a nice resolution to the story of two fathers that was Man of Steel. We also notice that Superman specifically says, if you dig around for hope, you can find it again. This is a nice connection to the fact that there will literally be a scene later where Barry and Cyborg are digging up Clark, and he is a key part of their hope for defeating Steppenwolf and bringing the world back from its downward spiral. So digging connects to the rebirth of Superman or the reclamation of hope. And the idea of digging also connects to Cyborg because Bruce says to Diana by the lake, I hope that you would dig him up. Uh, so Cyborg is the other character like Superman who kind of experiences a death and a rebirth. In Cyborg's case, he's kind of reborn through the mother box as Cyborg. So we have a connection between these characters and the idea of hope and digging is kind of this little detail that connects it and threads it through. And we also can't forget Aquaman who says, I dig it, although that one's probably not as meaningful. But with hope overall, it's not just the topic of hope, we actually have this idea about hope. And it's personified in Superman, and even though he's lost, he can be revived. Just like the river of hope comes and goes. The character can have birth, death, and rebirth. It's also just cool that this trilogy of films, overall, has drawn together a rich mythology for the Superman symbol itself. It was meaningful when he put it on for the first flight scene in Man of Steel. It was emblematic when Doomsday stabbed through the chest right through the emblem in BVS. And now it has a new meaning on top of that, where we can think about it as a river and connect it with the idea of rebirth and finding hope anew. So this nice response from Superman talking about hope is another thing that greatly redeems this scene in our view because it lays some groundwork that we can connect to later in the film. And there's also a nice moment where one of the kids asks if Superman ever fought a hippo. That is a nice touch just in terms of playful interaction between them. And it's funny to hear the kids shushing each other and the little ones saying, the hippos are the most deadly. So that is a nice touch and we give the scene credit for that little moment as well. And then the main kid asks his final question which deals with the fact that Superman is known to be an alien. The kid asks, 
what's the best thing about planet Earth? Superman pauses, kind of looks to the side, and then starts to smile, and it seems like he's going to answer the question, but the video cuts out. Now, we're not actually sure what the in-universe explanation is for the video cutting off right there, nor are we sure why the filmmakers wanted to cut it off before Superman gives the answer. Obviously, we're supposed to wonder what Superman's answer was going to be, but then the film never actually explicitly provides the answer later on. Cutting off the answer here kind of reminded us of Lex's Oldest Lie in America from BVS, but that one, we did get the explicit answer later in the movie. There's also The Dark Knight Rises with Alfred's early conversation about the cafe, and that pays off explicitly in the end. But for the the best thing about planet Earth, what is the implied answer? For me personally, I've seen the movie four times already, and I'm not really sure what the answer is in terms of the movie. And I'm even less sure of what Superman was about to say to the kids. For Superman personally, we know that Lois Lane is his world, but he's probably not going to say that to the kids. And he may not even realize it himself yet, because it's kind of the realization that hits him at the end of BVS, which is more than a year after this video footage was recorded. Maybe it's having the chance to live on planet Earth. That's the best thing about it. Maybe it's about life, because the movie does kind of have this idea by the end that he wants his life, that he's happy to have his life. But I doubt that's what Superman would say back in 2015. It's only something he might say after being dead and experiencing a rebirth. Maybe it's that the people of Earth are the best thing. That seems like the most straightforward answer that anyone might give. What's the best thing about planet Earth? It's the people. But then the movie wasn't really about people in general, after the world without a Superman montage. It's really the movie is about a specific team coming together. So maybe it's the idea of collaboration and teamwork that's the best thing about planet Earth. That definitely seems to be one of the main messages of the Justice League film, But it doesn't seem to make sense that that's what Superman would have said as an answer back in 2015 when he was basically an individual superhero. He wasn't really collaborating yet with other superheroes. So for me, this was a question that just kind of dangled there, and I wasn't sure what to make of it. However, that's why it's important that I don't just do this analysis alone. Alessandro did have an idea pretty early on about what the answer to this question was, and he's going to share some thoughts on that now. I feel like the implied answer to what's the best thing about planet Earth is the actual movie itself and what we see in it. In a way, this cell phone video is kind of meta and it's a completely different format from the rest of the movie and stands by itself before the movie begins. Then the movie starts in response to the question, and although the footage was filmed before Superman died, it sort of plays out as if Superman is remembering and accounting the story of the time these really great people came together and resurrected him, and together they saved humanity. Basically, the best thing about the planet Earth is the people on it and their camaraderie and strength against adversity. Charles Roven, producer of Justice League, writes in the book The Art of the Film about how he was inspired by the Justice League's ability to conquer adversity no matter what was placed in their path. After all, isn't the whole point of the movie, its story and major themes, about individuals who have suffered and found strength in others to overcome their own personal struggles, as well as a threat from another world which aims to take our humanity away. In essence, Superman finds the best thing about Earth and its humanity and all that it encompasses. Mankind, benevolence, compassion, brotherly love, fraternity, sympathy, and tolerance. And we can see humanity as an overall motif in the film as it pertains to each character. It permeates the entire movie through the story and the characters as each face their own humanity and fight to defend all of humanity against the global threat. 
Superman's ultimate sacrifice in Batman v Superman is a result of his own humanity for the sake of humanity. So it would be natural for that to be what he believes is the best thing about Earth. According to executive producer Wesley Collar in the book The Art of the Film, Superman's sacrifice renews Batman's faith in humanity. This is obvious in Bruce's words, men are still good, and echoes Superman's own sentiments of optimism, seen in his desire to reason with Batman during their fight rather than simply overpower him from the start. Superman came from Krypton, as seen in Man of Steel, whose civilization was very cold in comparison to Earth's, breeding through machines and divided into opposing factions. As Quentin Tarantino pointed out in Kill Bill Volume 2, Superman wakes up as Superman. Clark Kent is the costume he puts on. So he consciously and actively chooses to wake up each morning and live like a human, among us, something which Bruce even addresses to Alfred in this movie. This speaks to how much he values humanity. Steppenwolf hails from a place which is a direct contrast to Earth, populated by a legion of uniform creatures, mindless and in servitude to new gods. This is why Steppenwolf's desire to convert the people of Earth into drones is so relevant to the story. It would strip the Earth of what makes it so special, the life on it. For me, the question pays off explicitly by showing the League standing together at the end of the movie, side by side in fellowship, after all they've been through, together and individually, and with Lois saying, we are not alone, as in we all stand together. So that is definitely one coherent way to look at it, and it ties together with several aspects of the film overall. It's also possible, or at least open to interpretation, that Superman personally might be thinking of Lois, but that she is still sort of a representation of the broader humanity. This connects with both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. In both of those movies, Lois was such a strong character and a connection for Clark that she gave him the courage to take the leap of faith for humanity, and then the courage to sacrifice himself to save humanity. So it's possible that she is not only the key and his world, but she might also be the best thing about planet Earth, in his opinion. Though yeah, in a broader sense, it's her humanity and the fact that she helps Superman to be connected to humanity in general. And Bruce later will talk about Superman's humanity, so that does make some sense too. We'll close by pointing out one additional thing that we like about this opening scene. And that is that it does serve as a bookend with the very last shot of the movie. By having Superman here at the start, and then ending the movie with Superman returning up to the sky, literally the last shot before credits, it does provide a certain bit of symmetry. The discussion of hope here in scene one also connects well to Lois's closing narration. She talks about how the truest darkness is the conviction the light will never return. So she's basically talking about the absence of hope as the truest darkness. But then she says that the light always returns. Just like Superman said, the river of hope comes and goes. And then continuing on with the idea we mentioned earlier about Superman specifically being a personification of hope, Lois finishes her closing narration by saying that our darkness was deep and seemed to swallow all hope, but these heroes were here the whole time to remind us that hope is real, that you can see it. All you have to do is look up in the sky. So that is our analysis of scene one of Justice League. For our next couple episodes, we will continue on with the Batman rooftop scene and then the World Without Superman montage. And then after that, we might shift back over to Wonder Woman for a few scenes. I want to thank Alessandro, Rebecca, Sidney, and Nick again for their contributions, and we will close here by returning to the issue of naming this trilogy, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League. We mentioned in our last episode that we were kind of leaning toward calling it the Dawn of Justice trilogy, 
and we ran a Twitter poll that confirmed our inclination. The Dawn of Justice trilogy won the poll at 55%. In a distant second was the Zack Snyder Superman trilogy. That was at 24%. But it kind of feels a little bit weird to call it the Zack Snyder Superman trilogy when a lot of Superman scenes were reshot by Joss Whedon for Justice League. So that title doesn't seem to work out as well as maybe we thought it would have after Man of Steel and BVS. But the Justice League characters and the team overall were really well established in this film. They're really high points of the film. And this foundation for the team was laid by Superman. And we think that the title Dawn of Justice reflects that. There's also kind of a metatextual level that this makes us think of. In the universe of the films, Superman started things off and laid the foundation for superheroes in the world. Man of Steel Answers has a good podcast about this uh, idea of defining and establishing superheroes. But eventually, it has to grow beyond him. And we have these new characters with their own styles and personalities that are added to the mix. And even Superman himself dies and is resurrected in a slightly different form as part of the team. One could almost view this as a metatextual reflection of Zack Snyder, where he laid the foundation with Man of Steel and BVS and set a particular tone, but it was always going to have to grow beyond him, bringing in new personalities and styles of other filmmakers. And it culminates in Justice League where, yes, Zack Snyder is involved, just like Superman is involved here, but it ends up being a bit different than it was before. So just as Superman is in the universe of the films, Zack Snyder kind of played a similar role on the filmmaking side of things. But anyway, we're going to be referring to the trilogy as the Dawn of Justice trilogy, and we invite you to join us. Maybe it will catch on, and anyway, we'll just keep calling it that until we get a different name from some official source. That will be it for us in this episode. Thanks for listening, and feel free to also check out the Suicide Squadcast and the Man of Steel Answers podcast.